This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time, back with Jonathan Twomley on Thursdays. How are you doing, sir? Well, other than spending nearly 40 minutes trying to get onto the Zoom call, I'm doing great, Michael. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. We'll get a couple of topics in. Uh, thank you for mm-hmm. sticking with it. So, uh, why don't we talk about Evergrande first? There's there's a lot of chatter. Evergrande, if you don't know, is a second largest property developer in China. Uh, they're on the hook for some interest payments today, actually Thursday, uh, for some off offshore debt payments, interest payments, and I think they I think they owe like three hundred five billion dollars. So there's talk about hey, is this a Lehman moment, and there's going to be all of this contagion? Is it more like long term capital management where you know? The, you know, in our case, the Fed stepped in and, and made it all go away almost seemingly overnight, or is it something else? So I was going to ask another experienced investor what they thought. So what, what are you seeing out there, Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, I think this is like the flavor of the month for people to worry about. And it's not, it's not going to be that big a deal at the end of the day. I mean, it may collapse, right? But the, I, I think there's a, a couple of important differences with like the Lehman mm-hmm. uh, uh, story and this one, one of those things is that if you remember back to Lehman, wasn't like Lehman just sort of collapsed out of the blue because they overextended themselves. They had, you know, the 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 country was in like a slow motion freefall already as the whole single family mm-hmm. mortgage market was starting to unravel, right and. Mm-hmm. First, you know, Merrill Lynch went down and the government stepped in and saved it. And, you know, they sold it off in pieces, but they stepped in and they, mm-hmm. they did some kind orderly, of orderly. Yeah. Yeah. Orderly. Then AIG, you know, that domino fell. Oof, and yeah. then, then, and everybody was watching Lehman, what was going to happen. And they knew that it wasn't just that like Lehman overextended itself. It's that it now had its books, like a huge portion of its books were basically worthless, right? Yes. Like, because it, it invested in this junk that everybody said was so great and could never fail. And then it turned out to be completely worthless. Yeah. And, and, and so um, Lehman was, you know, and then the government basically made the decision, like, we're not going to save Lehman because mm-hmm. we don't want uh, the, this moral hazard. Moral issue, hazard, yeah. Right. Like, like the shareholders have to be on the hook for the bad decisions of a company they invest in, not the taxpayers. And then- everybody, when the government let it go, then everybody panicked because they're like, oh my God, the government isn't going to backstop all of our bad financial decisions, mm-hmm. and backstop our bad financial decisions. And then panic ensued and the credit markets you know, seized up. Yep. But it was in the context of like a really broad-based like bubble that millions of Americans were part of, right? And mm-hmm. and that that now they had these homes that, that were, you know, were worthless. And then you had like these, so, so it was like the, the kind of like, not the first step in the domino. Yeah. Right. And I think with Evergrande, the situation is different because, well, first of all, 
it's a, it's a developer, right? So yeah. the stuff it has is not going to zero, right? It's all stuff yeah. that's, that it's like bricks and mortar stuff that has some value. So there's that, right? Mm -hmm. The second thing is that it's not like, like there may be a lot of banks around the world that are going to take a cut, take a hit. Right. But mm -hmm. like if Citibank has 10 or $20 billion worth of loans extended to Evergrande and it doesn't get paid, Citibank is not going down because right. of that. Right. Lehman was a, you know, a pretty small financial institution and it went, it went under because of what, you know, mm -hmm. it, the worthless now the, 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 it, all this crap that it, owned was now completely worthless. Mm -hmm. And then, and not only that, but then the other part of it, people, I think, forget is like the worthlessness of that, all that stuff that triggered all these obligations of like other institutions to pay essentially insurance contracts yeah. that they never, they only bought them because they expected they were never going to have to pay them because right. they bought into this whole idea that, you know, this stuff could never default. And that yeah. was what the problem was. It was going to cause this cascading, like, series of obligations that couldn't be met. I just yep. don't see that here with Evergrande. I mean, yeah. I think I think the Chinese economy may take a hit, their property bubble may collapse. Yep. But but I don't see, you know, and and maybe it'll, you know, if that that could present a, a bigger problem like if everybody in China gets spooked about the property markets and there's a general yep. panic. Yeah. And then China's economy is big enough that maybe it could spread, but you know, it's not everything that happens around the world affects everything, every other part of the world. Right. Mm -hmm. The other thing too, that, that I think people forget too, is that like, you know, the, uh, the Europeans were heavily invested in, in American real estate yeah. during the bubble. Right. Yeah. And they were heavily invested in all of these sketchy financial instruments. Right. Like, Lehman. yeah, they were, the, so, they were some of the last buyers as I recall. Yeah. And they went in heavy. Right. And so, when the, that's part of why the whole world economy is seized up because they, you know, when Lehman went down and they realized that all the stuff they bought was worthless, right. Just lending stopped. But I don't think that like lending is going to stop because, yeah, that, because ever, because ever, ever grand defaults on some of its obligations. And it's not, you know, they're not saying it's defaulting on all of its obligations, mm -hmm. you know, like we, we just, it just remains to be seen what yeah. this looks like. And then of course, I'm sure the Chinese government is going to step in and do something. They're not going to let the, it completely collapse. So yeah. I think probably the contagion of this will be yeah, not, we're, not that widespread. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, but I still think, I think it could be significant, but it's definitely going to be kind of a local story, local meaning China, right? Look, it, it, you know, China's huge, but I think it'd be a local story, but I do see some risks. So A, it's not really Lehman or long-term capital management because both of those institutions had worthless pieces of paper, right? They were, yeah. they were bad investment decisions that had no financial worth when they're done. You're right. Uh, it's a property developer. So they have things they can trade, right? They're actually trying to pay off debt by giving, you know, car parks and, you know, other things. Right. right? By selling stuff. Yeah, they, exactly. They have, even, they have stuff of value to sell. Even right? if it's at a discount, it's still some yeah. value, right? Not going to yeah. zero. So spot on. The second thing, though, I think is something we have to watch, because as I remember the Great Recession, the American public lost faith in real estate for several years, mm. right? And given what I've read about China, and I've been in China in the last five to eight years in the ghost cities, I've seen them. 
and I talked to the citizens, or I didn't, my wife did, who speaks the language, and they were all gung-ho on real estate, right? It's, I think I just read the other day, it's 28% of their GDP. So it's mm. significant. So my fear is there's kind of a local contagion where real estate's not the secret to wealth. The average urban Chinese um, middle class owns one and a half homes, which I thought was interesting. I read that in Fortune the other day. Yeah. So my biggest fear is this is a domino that breaks the back of real estate, which might even be what the central government wants, right? They want to be a socialist country. They want to, they've whacked tech investment. They've whacked education. They whacked video games. Now they're going to whack property developers. But I think one of the outcomes is going to be the citizens are going to be less interested in buying property. And oh, by the way, because a lot of them are levered, they're going to be a lot of upset people. So I, I'm worried well, about that. I, I think that this is going to be like, the popping of the Japanese bubble. Exactly. That's right. A in very 19, good in thing. 1989. Because people forget. I, I mean, it's, it's amazing how under the radar Japan is. Yeah. Japan is still the third largest economy in the world. Yes. Right. Despite 20 years or now 30 years of kind of like stagnation, it's still the third largest economy in the world. And in 1989, it was the second largest economy in the world. Yeah. And just like China, it had a huge property bubble. It did. Right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And people were leveraging themselves to the hilt to get to buy property. And it's a, and then when that collapsed, people still had those obligations to pay. And that's a big reason why, uh, you know, yeah. the, they've had flat economic growth ever since. Right. Yeah. So, but it did not cause a worldwide recession. Right, the the popping of the Japanese bubble didn't even really make itself felt in the United States. I mean, there was a mild recession in 1991. Maybe there's some kind of relationship. Yeah, a little probably bit. Probably not. So it's. I think that China will be like that. Yeah, I right? agree. The economy is a obviously it's a huge economy. It's the largest economy in the world, but it's it's um. But like on on a per capita basis, it's still quite oh yeah middle of the road. Right, it's only For just sure. because there's so so many people there. So it's, I, I think that it, it may be, you're right, if, if people lose faith in the property market in China and they're leveraged and now they're underwater on everything mm -hmm. and that's pull back, they'll pull back. It'll definitely cause some serious pain in China. And frankly, China's do. They've had, yeah. they've had, they've had nothing but economic growth for 30 years. They haven't really had, you know, they had recessions where their growth rate went from 12 to seven. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's a recession. Yeah. Right. But it, I mean, they were freaked out about it, but yeah, they were. It's, it's, but it's, they've never actually had a, an actual recession mm -hmm. and the government may be powerless to stop one at this point. Cause it may just be too big. And, yeah. but I don't think that this is going to cause, uh, you know, it'll cause some pain around the world, but mm -hmm. whether the American consumer is, affected by a collapse of the Chinese property market, I kind of doubt it. You know, I, I think there'll be some ripples, but again, I don't think it affects the average person. So first and foremost, I think the Chinese consumers is going to be a lot more conservative and pull back. The second thing I see happening is the property developers post Evergrande. I, I, I think Evergrande's gone. I think it's, it's, you know, the only, the only question now is what date do you put on the tombstone? Um, but I think all other property developers have to pay higher interest going forward because oh, yeah, they're, yeah. So I think that, and again, I think that slows down, you know, activity, right? Just another reason yeah. uh, I hadn't thought about it, but I think you're right. I think China could actually see negative growth um, 
you know, coming up. Because again, if their consumers pull back, if that middle class pulls back where all their wealth is real estate, uh, I think I think I think central planning is going to be surprised at how um, slow the economy is. I mean, and listen, there's there's a lot of similarities between China now and Japan in 1980. I agree. Where where there was not just this incredible amount of debt and this all this rampant speculation, but the population was peaking right yep. at that time. You're right. right, and they're about to start. So that that just creates a headwind. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where you know, economic growth is essentially comprised of two things: it's it's a, a additions to productivity and population growth. And you add those yep. together, and you get the growth rate. And the w- when you've got declining population, that means that all growth has to come from additions to productivity, yeah. right? And so if people are pulling back at the same time as the population is peaking, just like in Japan, and then if they're burdened by debt, that's that's sitting on books and dragging everything down, makes it very difficult to grow your way out of that debt problem, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's, I, I, I think that there are some, some distinct, some, some definite similarities in these two situations. And I think the outcome will be, will be similar. I agree. Yeah. I agree. We will, uh, we will call episode one here. Cause I want to sneak in episode two before we both have to go in about 12 minutes. Thanks Jonathan. Okay. Cool.